Becky Harmon, author and worker bee here at the Bella Books Warehouse in Tallahassee, Florida. Bella Books is proud to be the largest lesbian-owned press devoted to the publication of books written for, by, and about women-loving women. Welcome to our What's New at Bella podcast. With me today is Bella Books author Kay Acker to discuss her debut novel, Leaving's Not the Only Way to Go. So where do you live? I am in North Bennington, Vermont, which is in the southwest corner of the state, about 10 minutes from Massachusetts South and New York West. All right. So you got lots of snow right now, don't you? Yeah, it's gorgeous. (laughs) And working from home, that makes it even prettier, doesn't it? It really does. I it snowed for three days, and I didn't have to dig my car out until yesterday. So that's great. Uh, have you been in Vermont your whole life? Did you grow up uh, there? Nope. Uh, I've been in Vermont for ten years now. Uh, I moved here to go to college. I grew up uh, mostly in Alabama. Southerner. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a dramatic change for weather. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I I do not do well in the heat. I will like lettuce, so <laughs> this is going really well for me here. <laughs> now you're frozen like an ice yep. cube. So family wise, uh, yes, I. That's a funny story. If you want to hear that, yeah, go ahead. Not flattering to me at all. I was a sophomore and she was a freshman and I was picking up my books from the bookstore and I turned around and I saw this this tall, beautiful, blonde haired butch uh, with a, a necklace that had the, the double um, symbols on it. And I was and I, I looked at her and I thought, I want to know that girl. And the problem with that was that there was a person between us in line. And I didn't know how to talk to her without engaging this person who was between us or being extremely rude to them. Um, So I just sort of was staring at her, (laughs) trying to solve this puzzle of social skills that I didn't have. And meanwhile, my wife said that she was standing there like, oh my God, this girl's staring at me. this cute girl staring at me. What do I do? Why is she staring at me? And finally, she looked up and made eye contact. And I opened my mouth and said, just the the tiniest little squeak. She didn't even hear it. And I turned around and just ignored her. Uh, uh, Thankfully, I got a second chance in the dining hall the next day. But uh, that that was my first impression. <laughs> well, you must have made a good one. She took a second <laughs> chance. <laughs> yeah, very lucky. Where did your, your two kitties? Um, yeah, so my wife and I have two cats. Um, Nicola is a, a black cat. He's about nine years old. And for a while, we were fostering kittens. Uh, but the second litter that we had, one of them escaped the room where we were keeping the fosters and met Nicola um, and Nicola adored her and it was too cute. So we kept her and she is some kind of goblin in a cat suit. Uh, and we call her the worm because she's very wiggly. Uh, my wife says that uh, the worm fi- fills the hole <laughs> that growing up with border collies left in her. Uh, uh, it makes sense. All right. And your professional life? Uh, I am. I work with a company that contracts with uh, the state of Vermont uh, vocational rehabilitation. 
and Voc Rehab is the department that helps disabled people uh, find careers and uh, build job skills to get not just sort of the the lower level jobs that they can sort of get shoved into, but doing what they actually want and earning the wage that they deserve. And I, I work specifically with youth, so people age 15 to about 25. Wow. That's got to be very um, fulfilling. Yeah. It's, you know, as as a disabled person myself, it's really awesome to take the the luck that I've had and be able to pass it along to people who didn't have the same access by chance that my family was able to give me. Can I ask you? I would not mm-hmm. have put disabled with your name. Is uh, Yeah, it's uh, um, in very invisible uh, disabilities unless you watch me try to find uh, my car keys on the wrong morning. It isn't entirely obvious that I have ADHD. Um, and I also have uh, fibromyalgia. Oh, that's painful, right? It can be. My case is pretty mild and rarely severe pain. Uh, mostly it just sort of feels weird and I get tired, but it's it's manageable. And so it's I'm actually really excited that I know what it is because that <laughs> means I know what to do about it. That's true. Okay, so people can't see your background, but what is that behind you? Um, this is a tapestry of a neon sign for a fictional place called the Sobbing Stag Lounge. Uh, the tagline is sleep where they won't see you. Uh, it's one in a series. We have all three of them and they're, they're eerie and very beautiful. The artist is Jenna Barton. She's known online as Dapper Mouth. My wife and I both read a lot of um, fantasy and paranormal. Uh, we play Monster of the Week and Dungeons and Dragons. So <laughs> this sort of strange urban cryptid vibe is very fitting. That's cool. So you have your first book out with Bella. Before we talk mm-hmm. about that, have you written other stuff? Anything that's been published or picked up? I I went to a magnet school uh, in high school for fine arts and got a couple poems published in a college chapbook. Um, and I wrote some fan fiction that's on archive of our own. But beyond that, no, I hadn't I hadn't had anything published in any way. And those two ways are very informal. So what made you decide to to write something and then submit it? My friends kind of dared me to. I I had been working on fan fiction stuff sort of just to, I started that in college, just to sort of keep up the skills that I'd learned in high school. And my friends really enjoyed it. And they said, you know, I bet if you tried, you could get published. And I was like, I don't know about that, but might as well try. And so I, I started doing some really in-depth research on you know the history of lesbian romance publishing and got a ton of the books and realized that this really was something that I wanted to be serious about. Cool. So did you read lesbian fiction before you... I'd read some. Um, Lady Night by L.J. Baker. Uh, believe it or not, uh, they have a copy of that in the public library in Decatur, Alabama. And uh, 
a couple of, of others, uh, Fat Tuesday by Susan Vaught, uh, not a romance novel, but uh, lesbic. And the the book where I found out that girls could like girls, didn't know that was an option until I read <laughs> Fat Tuesday at 14. Um, and so lesbian fiction had been important to me throughout all of my figuring out what my deal was, but I hadn't really conceived of it as a genre or something you could do. And so getting into the, the history was an eye-opener in that way. All right, well, let's talk about your book. The book is called Leaving's Not the Only Way to Go. And how did you come up with that title? Uh, the title is a song, and uh, it's from the musical Big River. And it's a, a song that is sung in a scene after a funeral. And it's this, this very deep longing and I struggle with titles always, and so when I happened to be drafting the book and or the fan fiction that became the book, that song came up randomly on my laptop, and I was like, you know what? I think this might fit as a as a stand-in. I'm not actually going to call it this, <laughs> and then it stuck, and so the fanfic had that title, and then I worked on the book, and I I was talking to Erica Abbott at GCLS in 2019, and I said, you know, this is what I'm calling it right now, but, you know, I don't know that it's, I feel like I could come up with something better, and she said, I don't know that there's anything better than that. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, if Erica Abbott likes it, then I'm keeping it. That's right. Okay, so tell us about the book. Well, it's a contemporary romance uh, set in Vermont in a, a town that's fictional, but sort of based on Bennington and the surrounding area. Um, and it's about uh, two women who are navigating grief. Um, one of them is Lauren. She's a computer programmer who is having a terrible time at her job and has lost her father who had some very strong opinions about who she should be and what she should be doing. And now that he's not there to tell her, even though she was never really happy doing what he wanted her to do, she has no idea how to be happy without him. Uh, and so figuring out what she actually wants is what she's struggling with. And she meets a woman named Georgia who had everything she wanted. She's uh, an architect, and she and her best friend and co-worker were raising their daughter together. They weren't married. It uh, wasn't a romantic relationship, but it was this really beautiful family. And then he passed. And so now Georgia is by herself. She's autistic, and her daughter is autistic. And they're both trying to navigate a world that isn't built for them, by themselves. And that's a, a tough thing for them to figure out how to do. So on the book cover is an axolotl, uh, which is a, um, a salamander that is native to Mexico and only Mexico. Um, specifically, almost all of the population is in Mexico City. There are only about 300 of them left in the wild, but there's a thriving population of them in laboratories because all of their cells are stem cells. So they have that incredible power of regeneration. Wow. They can regrow limbs and tails and eyes and parts of their brain and other organs. It's, it's this truly incredible uh, ability to heal themselves and became a very symbolic animal, which is funny because I, I would love to say I did it intentionally, but so Georgia, the one of 
one of the main characters is autistic. And then her daughter, who is eight, is autistic as well. And I said, okay, so we know what Georgia's passionate about, architecture and a couple of other things. So what is Hannah's special interest? And I just randomly picked something odd that I happened to know a lot about. And it was axolotls. And then it became this huge symbolism because of the healing ability and because uh, my dad, uh, he was a type 1 diabetic. And so he was very passionate about stem cell research and all the potential it could have for him. And the, the struggle that Lauren goes through losing her dad and then Hannah, the child, losing her dad... Uh, and me in the process of writing this book, losing mine, I I just happened to pick the one animal that meant so much to my dad. And it was one of those amazing coincidences that happens to work. <laughs> I really do look forward to reading it. Something that we didn't really touch on, uh, COVID, you know, you, you work from home mm -hmm. and it does your wife work from home as well? Yes. Uh, and that's sometimes awkward. It was harder over the summer because there's only air conditioning in one room. So we both had to be in the same room all the time. Now we can be in, in two different rooms and that's easier. Um, but honestly, I'm a turtle. Uh, so if you left me in a room with all the food I needed and cats and something to do, I'd be fine for a week. This this quarantine stuff, I'm, I'm sort of... Get, feeling the way everyone else is feeling, but on sort of a three-month delay because it just doesn't bother me as much. Uh, I am a little afraid of when things open up and I have to remember all of my social skills again. Yes. <laughs> That's going to be an adjustment. Oh, I love no. people. I just don't have the instinct to seek them out. Uh, always happy when they find me. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you would like to talk about or anything that you would like your future fans to know? What do you do in your free time? Oh, read. <laughs> I, I read. Um, I take a lot of good naps. Uh, and I play Pokemon Go. Um, it's I, I'm, I'm six years late to that trend, or for, maybe not quite that long, but... You know, I just started playing uh, and because I just got a phone that was new enough to run it. Um, and I'm very excited to play this game that everyone else has been playing for several years. <laughs> it's a wonderful way to get outside because the idea of, oh, I have to walk. It's good for me. Uh, whatever. But I have to go out and throw things at these animals and collect them and <laughs> pick up gifts for all of my Pokemon friends. That's very motivating. Uh, yeah. So with COVID, have you had trouble writing or are you in the category where you've enjoyed the peace and quiet? Nothing about my writing practice is consistent. Uh, <laughs> and my COVID re reaction is, is, the same. So I've had times when I'm so busy or trying to manage so many different things. Uh, you know, when you're working from home, you end up doing more work. Uh, yeah. And that sort of thing that I that I don't write as much. And then I'll have long stretches where I'm able to really get into the nitty gritty of an idea and and work really extensively. And it's really satisfying. But 
I think that would be the case without COVID as well. So so are you working on your next book? Uh, I am. This one is a uh, paranormal romance slash mystery. Um, the main character's name is Jan, and she can't touch anyone. Uh, she her, her skin is toxic, and she doesn't know why, and has sort of given up after many years of ever finding out. But then she meets a woman in a town whose water system has been poisoned and decides that that's a mystery that she's not going to give up on. Uh, and the the two of them are trying to solve the mystery of what happened to the water, and her love interest is trying to solve the mystery of how do you get intimate with someone you can't touch. Uh, and she's very clever about that. Humorous as well? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping so. Um I, I'm trying to keep it contained because there's so many different things to say uh, within this idea that it sort of goes off in several different directions. But it's definitely also spicier uh, than leaving and hopefully still has a good humorous streak as well. Cool. Uh, along with talking about uh, animal welfare and endangered species and capitalism and <laughs> workers' rights. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. All right. So how can folks reach out to you once they read your book and they fall in love with it? <laughs> uh, I am on Twitter at kacker underscore author. And I have a website, kackerauthor.com. Uh, and there's a contact page on there. And you're on Facebook, too? I am on Facebook. I am not good at Facebook, uh, but if 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 you message me on Facebook, I will get it and and I will respond. Uh, so, but I'm I'm very present on Twitter and would love to have folks reach out in any way they'd like. So that's it for us today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you'll share it with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll be the first to know who I'm chatting with. You can share your likes and dislikes of this podcast by reaching out to Becky at bellabooks.com. We are rushing forward. I'll take you. I'll take you anywhere. Bella Books is proud to provide books where the woman always wins and the story lingers in our minds long after the last words. Special thanks to singer-songwriter and Bella Books author Jamie Anderson for the use of her song Drive All Night during this podcast. You can find out more information about Jamie, including a link to her YouTube channel at jamieanderson.com. All night. Drive.